welcome. You've joined the Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Our show is here to help you achieve better, better love, better sex, and a better, more intimate relationship. Are you ready? Take notes and send us your questions. This is the Sexy Lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts, Carol and David. Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. And I'm David. Are you ready to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny? Well, you've come to the right place because that's what the sexy lifestyle is all about. And David and I are passionate about making your sex life the best it can be. We sure are. And you know we love talking about sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, communication, consent, respect, and of course, relationships. And we hope our discussions open up your dialogue about great sex because... Great sex matters. And you deserve it. So, do you find yourself putting your sex life on the back burner while you cope with work and family commitments? Do you ever wonder how other couples manage to keep the sexy flame burning and alive? Well, on today's show, Great Life, Great Sex, we're going to explore ways to rekindle your sexual desire and make room in your life for some great sex. But before we introduce our guest, let's take a minute to talk about our new The Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. Well, at The Sexy Lifestyle, we're all about the village, and we're working hard to put together a village of sexperts that can share all sorts of educational information, advice, experiences, and all on a new sexy, fun, and entertaining website platform. Right. So, you know, our present radio show, The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David, has been so successful. We're now well over 300,000 listeners in over 70 countries that we've decided to partner up with Voice America to create a brand new network called The Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network. And it's going to be dedicated to sex education, sexuality, and relationships. And through open and honest discussions, we're going to talk about sex and everything related to spicing up your sex life. In essence, we're creating a safe space for people to listen, learn, and live sexy. Together with 40 or 50 other hosts, mostly sexologists, sex educators, and other industry professionals, each with their own show. We're going to cover different aspects of sex and sexuality, sexual pleasure, relationships, travel events, and so much more. Yep. And later this summer, we're going to be launching the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network, which is going to live on our brand new and redesigned thesexylifestyle.com, which is going to house the live streaming software from Voice America and a whole lot more. Yeah, each show host will have their own web page on thesexylifestyle.com where they can offer their articles, blogs, books, videos, seminars, retreats, or whatever tools they have that will help people spice up their sex life and live happy, healthy, and horny. And thesexylifestyle.com will be the place to find out about everything about sex and more. Right, so stay tuned and we'll keep you all posted on the progress of our new Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network and the new sexylifestyle.com as we move forward. If you or someone you know would be interested in hosting their own show on the Sexy Lifestyle Talk Radio Network or even sponsoring a show or the network, then send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Now, we're so excited to introduce our guest, Dr. Megan Fleming, who's an author and sex and relationship therapist with over 15 years of experience working with individuals and couples to discover what's holding them back from getting the best sex and relationship that they want. So, Dr. Megan Fleming, welcome back to The Sexy Lifestyle. We had a great show with you about a year ago, and we're so excited, and thank you for your time for being here today. I'm thrilled to be back and to be talking with you both. 
Yay. You know, let's get started just by talking about your motto, because I love it. And it's to become the happiest couple you know, which I think that's just fantastic. But can you give us the kind of a hint or description or the three telltale signs that that a couple would have if you know that they're happy? Happiness is part of keeping the passion um, and the sort of love alive in your relationship. And uh, we actually have data from John Gottman, he's a well-known and well-known marital and sex researcher, um, that there's three qualities. It's when we're committed, there's a sense of trust, and the third one is calm. And by that, it's like typically, like the nature of a relationship is, in a sense, what we call rupture and repair. You know, there's going to be the disappointments, the frustrations, the moments of disconnection. Um, but in those moments, that's when emotionally we often get angry or we shut down, so that fight, flight, freeze. And really an indicator of a happy couple and um, a couple that has a strong bond is when they know how to sort of regulate those emotions, right? They really know how to, in a sense, take the proverbial time out uh, or see when those emotions are rising within them to say, hey, you know what, I need to take a break. Can we come back to this conversation? So it's, I think it's so important to realize that uh, having a happy relationship is so much about skills that nobody teaches us, you know, we learn all these things, geometry things I never use in my day-to-day life, but the thing that is um, a teachable and really, I think, makes a significant outcome and difference in our quality of life uh, are those relationship skills. So would you say that people who are in a good relationship and are happy with their couple actually have those skills and they don't even realize it? Sure. I mean, I think, again, I really think a lot has to do with our family of origin and what we did or didn't get in childhood. Not that we always want to go back there because certainly um, we move on from that. But the reality is our nervous system really does get kind of set by around the age of seven. And we often seek to get back to that. Um, you know, it's like the devil, you know. Um, and so if you had a very warm, loving, giving, generous family, I think you're without even thinking about it, not even having to be taught. It's almost like mirrored. Um you're more likely to be that way in relationships. And, you know, some people are sort of, you know, you see it in twins, they come out differently, and some of them are just more sort of empathic and attuned and um, generous. So I think sort of nature-nurture, both there's definitely ways that you don't have to formally learn, um, that you were sort of blessed to come into a family where all those things um, w- was part of your experience, and therefore uh, it's just a part of who you are. Yeah, for sure. And a lot of that has to do with your communication skills. If you're naturally good at communicating, then you're halfway there already. Absolutely. And but I guess the part I want to really highlight is giving the hope, you know, for somebody who wasn't in a sense blessed with that kind of family and it may be struggling, right, with anger or depression or anxiety or other um, things that can be blocks or barriers to their finding greater intimacy in the relationship to recognize that, first of all, they're not alone, but also that these, these are skills and they can absolutely be learned and taught. Oh yeah, for sure. Now there's a, so many couples that from the outside look like the perfect couple. They're, they're happy, they do everything together, but then alone in the bedroom or inside their house when they just spend time together, they're actually miserable. Is there a telltale sign of that type of couple or can you tell them apart, real happy and fake happy? You know, I think the, the truth is from the outside, you can't. Um, it's almost like chronic pain. It's something you don't see on the outside. Um, and, you know, and we know that 20% of couples are sexless, right? So there's a significant amount of uh, people who I think on the, listen, we see it both ways, right? You definitely see couples who 
everybody's sort of wishing they'd get divorced, right? Because they're just constantly bickering. But I would say the majority of couples, um, because they're putting on that front, like, you know, my mom always said, careful, you know, the neighbors can hear, you know, yeah. you know, for those who are concerned what people think, and a lot of people really are. Um, and again, it's also probably for their kids or their kind of standing in a community. I mean, there's many reasons that they feel, um, I think the desire for things a certain way, but again, if, if you're not going to do the internal work, um, and, and you're in a sexless relationship, I, I think you're really missing out on life and what, what the potential is. Yeah, absolutely. Because we don't know what we don't know. Uh, and a lot of people are afraid of change. And sometimes that's the thing that's holding them back. A lot of times, you know, it's like, you know, we as human beings don't like to be uncomfortable and really lean into the discomfort is where the growth is. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you see a lot of those couples. And some of the couples that come to see you, are they, uh, do they look happy on the outside when they walk into your office? Are they smiling and holding hands? And then you hear like, oh, no, that's not how it's going. Uh, no, because typically when they're coming, uh, go back to God, and the average um, year, amount of time in conflict before people come into couples therapy is seven years. So oh. they're really, you know, sometimes they're coming to drop the partner off at the door and check the box that they've been in therapy. Uh-huh. Um, uh, others, we call them a mixed agenda couple. One person really wants to save the relationship and do the work, and the other person sort of already got the foot out the door. And then there are those couples where, they are really just feeling lost and they're finally at a point that they know that they can't do it on their own. Um, and they're sufficiently upset and distressed that they're coming in. So, but I, I think, I mean, maybe in the waiting room, they've got a smile on their face. Typically, when they cross the threshold into the office and lock, or you close the door. Yeah. Um, you know, I, 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 it's so wonderful as a place you don't have to have a mask, right? You right. really allow yourself to um, be fully present and, you know, share what's actually authentically happening. Now, is there a common spot in a relationship that where things start falling apart? Like you've heard about that seven year itch. Is, is that a real thing? Uh, well, it's interesting. I mean, the seven year itch, I think part of the media and cultural influence from sort of the movie of that title with Marilyn Monroe in the 1950s. Yeah. But it's, the, the, the part that's true is if you look at data from the National Center for Health Statistics, you know, the number doesn't change that much. They, in 1922, the divorce rate was 6.6. In 1974, 7.5. And in 1990, again, it's the median duration of uh, was 7.2. So I think there's something to be said that, you know, how, why is it that, again, in Gottman's statistic, that's that level of conflict where they are choosing to go to therapy or some people, again, don't choose therapy, they, that's the point where they choose, they go in the route of divorce. And I just think that has a lot to do with that's the couple that didn't learn the skills and tools because at this point, it, it really is a process of disconnection that leads to, you know, what often is sort of a, a betrayal or certainly, mo- most importantly, you no longer believe your partner can help you get your needs met. Right. And, and that must have to do with the fact that uh, so many couples really aren't great communicators. They talk about they wanting to have sex or wanting to do stuff, but they don't put the time and effort and invest, nor do they find the time to do it. They, you know, we've spoken to so many people where you always hear, my sex life sucks, but I just don't have time to work at it, which is just a horrible excuse. Well, but, but the thing is, it's a reality, and, and, when I, and I see this a lot, right, where they come because they want to work on their sex life, and I sort of say to them, well, there's conditions for sex, right? Rest and relax being sort of the foundation, and these people are often overextended, exhausted. They're not even filling up their own tank, right? right. And to your point, they're not spending time 
together, their lives are so busy and hectic. UCLA did some research with dual income couples with kids, and I was floored by the statistic. They found that, you know, when you removed conversations about, I call it running the LLC of the, of the family life, right? They're not the kids or the household, um, and it's just about their time together connected, it's 35 minutes a week. Wow. I mean, I was really blown wow. away by that. I'm like, well, how do you imagine you're going to have sex if you're only talking 35, 35 minutes, minutes a week? Yeah. A week? yeah. Like, like don't, you have to be, like, if somebody comes in, I'm like, we have to have realistic expectations. And if you're not willing to prioritize, essentially, what are those ingredients that will enable you to have a sex life before feelings of desire to emerge, then I'm just going to be honest. I'm like, you know, I, I don't know that this is going to be helpful or successful for you. And and do you think it happens after that, we'll call it the seven-year itch again, because people get very comfortable. They might be, you know, thinking about straying, thinking it's better on the other side of the pond. And they just give up and they stop working at it because they took it for granted for those last three or four years. And now it's like, all right, you know what, let's try something different. Yeah, I mean, I really said because, again, our, our culture is like, has a you know saying and belief that the grass is greener on the other side right. yeah and i'm like no it's where you water it mm-hmm. <laughs> i like that <laughs> in relationships we take our partners for granted especially when your kids are in those young years for those who have kids it's like you you feel sort of like you're just hanging on right yeah uh, sort of those blades of grass and so you kind of think well i'll, I'll when this slows down, then, when then, right, you know, we have time to focus on a relationship and to prioritize it. And that's where the danger is because then the land's getting parched and dry, right? So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, I, you have to think about your priorities and, and the way I think, you know, when if you have faith, I'd say that's first. Second is self, self-care that's not selfish. Third is your relationship. And then fourth is your kids. And I think sometimes our society has a flip where we're putting kids first, but yeah. if you're not yeah. filling up your own tank, then you're honestly, you've got less to get everybody. Yeah. And I, personally believe that it takes a village to raise a kid and you have to allow the the teachers and the daycare people and your mother-in-law and everybody to chip in because if you're going to just do it yourself because you're the best or you don't trust Trust. other people then you're just going to burn out absolutely i mean i definitely think it takes a village and but to that point i think sadly a lot of us the way in modern society we're more disconnected in some ways some are family and people are more apt to, in a sense, hire somebody than ask a neighbor. Um, yeah. And so I think culturally that's something we need to really look at. Yeah, yeah. Now let's introduce your book, which is The Invisible Divorce, Finding Your Way Back to Connection. So give us a little synopsis about your book and how you tackle the subject of being disconnected. Sometimes people are like, well, what is an invisible divorce? And I just have people sort of sit and think about it for a while um, because you know, the nature of it is, right, it's a couple that is together. They're not going to get divorced, whether it's for the kids, uh, for religious reasons, for financial reasons. And yet, ostensibly, they're two, you know, it's the roommate situation, the two people living very independently and often quite alone. Like I say, there's nothing worse than lying in bed at night and someone's lying right next to you, right? And and you've never felt more alone. Yeah. And it's such a painful experience. And I think that, so much ubiquitous. I think so many couples find themselves in that place because, again, they're not understanding how, in a sense, how the hell did they get here mm-hmm. and how they can turn it around, right? So that is where, to me, I want people to look at their relationship and be like, oh my God, is this the state of my union, right? If, am I feeling alone, disconnected, feeling like I can't lean into my partner? Because if I do, it's to recognize there are things I can do. And, and, you know, some people say they feel like they quote unquote have tried it all, but I can tell you I've worked with by virtue of 
podcasts and things like that reach thousands of people and I can always find something someone hasn't at least attempted or tried. To reconnect, you mean? Different ways of reconnecting. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And taking risks to do so, right? Mm-hmm. Because you don't want to feel the rejection. I mean, there's that vulnerability. Yeah. And because even if you inch your way into it, once you get back into that scenario of being a couple, then you have to deal with all the shit that, that surrounds that. So sometimes people are just so afraid to inch back in. And so in your book, do you give uh, people some pointers on, on how to actually tackle that? Yeah, well, I think that the first part um, always begins with the fact that can they vision it, right? Because I have a lot of couples come into my office and I'm sort of getting a sense of what if this was our last session, what would you like it to look like? Um, and how would it feel between the two? And some people are really stuck. Like they're, it has been this way so long, it's been sexless for so long that in their mind's eye, they can't even imagine it, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, if you can't picture it, like you can't bring it into fruition. So for some, that's even the first block is like allowing themselves and really creating the vision and a shared vision, right? Um, because the way I sort of say is, you know, your marriage, the 1.0 version needs to end, right, or sort of dies. And, and what we're doing is really creating the 2.0 version. Right, that makes sense. Beautiful. All right, Megan, just hang on. We're going to take a quick break. Remind everybody, this is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David. And today we're chatting with Dr. Megan Fleming, author of the book, The Invisible Divorce. And when we come back, we're going to get into how couples can reconnect with each other. So stay tuned. And we're going to have a quick word from our sponsor, The Throws of Passion Waterproof Blanket. Maximize your orgasms and just let go. The Throes of Passion Waterproof Pleasure Blanket guarantees to keep your sheets dry, no matter how wet it gets, from massage oils to lubes and beyond. We've got your bed covered, so just throw it down and get it on and get lost in your very own Throes of Passion. Then toss it aside and bask in the afterglow of great sex in a warm, dry sheets. The all-new Naked Fleece provides a soft and sexy playscape, while the stay-dry barrier protects your bed, your couch, and even your carpet. It's machine washable, large enough to cover a king-size bed, and light enough to travel discreetly. To get your own Throes of Passion waterproof pleasure blanket, visit thesexylifestyle.com and order yours today. That's thesexylifestyle.com. Great sex starts now. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code GREATSEX at checkout, and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code GREATSEX. That's G-R-E-A-T-S-E-X at adamandeve.com. You 
are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle and we are Carol and David and we're talking with sex and relationship expert Dr. Megan Fleming today. Now we're going to take a look into how couples can reconnect after something has caused them to drift apart. So, Megan, I have a little fictitious case here that I came up with, and I thought it might be kind of fun that if we put this scenario together and maybe some people can, you know, uh, relate relate to this type of couple situation. If we describe the situation to you, maybe you can give us some playback and some advice on how this couple might be able to resolve their issues. So this is a couple who, uh, she is 30, he's 32 years old, they've been married for seven years, just for fun, the seven year itch, Uh, and they need to reconnect after a long separation where he was posted overseas in the military for seven months. And when he returns, he finds a lot of things have changed, uh, especially with his wife, and he feels he hardly knows her anymore. And he wants to start a family, but he's not sure whether the wife that he's married is going to be the right one to start his family with. So he's feeling the disconnect and he's not sure how to deal with it. So I'm going to ask you, I guess, so I'm going to start by this scenario here. So first of all, he's insecure and jealous about her new friends that he that she made while he was away. And if they are having a session with you, what would you say to start dealing with this first insecurity that he shows? Well, I think a big part of it is, you know, in order for our partners to, you know, it's like, is she making an attempt to include him? And so that he, you know, is he, is she acting in a way to help him feel secure? Or is she hanging out with these friends so it's his exclusion, right, spending time with him? So I think that when, if you want your partner to feel safe, you have to, like, take actions to sort of, you know, say, hey, these are some amazing people that I've met, and I think you love them, and, you know, really create opportunities that they can get together. Because I think once he feels included, he's, you know, he might be like, oh, I can see why they're great. We just sort of expand our social network. But I think often it's when it feels like it's to the exclusion, right? And a big sign or warning sign in relationships is when, again, you're no longer leaning into your partner to get your needs met. All of a sudden, you call it exits, right? Your energy is going to these other relationships. And, and understandably, your partner's going to have feelings about that. Now, certainly there was nothing wrong with her making new friends while he's away. She had to continue with her life uh, and certainly not and not abandon them when he returns because that's not a true friend either. So it's just getting that inclusion and, and bringing him into the situation and making him feel comfortable, bringing him up to and, speed, And, and so then he speak. feels like he has a choice, right? Like he might be like, no, because he feels invited, right? He might be like, no, go have fun with your friends, right? You know? And I think that it's, you know, to your point, it's not that she has to give them up, but it's helping him feel secure in it, right. not threatened by it. All right, here's the next point. So while he was gone, she renovated his den, his den, and turned it into her massage studio where she performs massage therapy to clients in her home. Now, even though she told him about this, he didn't really take her seriously. How should they deal with that? Well, I, I was uh, I was amused when I saw that because again, it's his den, right? And right. Typically, I mean, it, we joke about this, but it's not funny. You know, men's territory is usually the basement or the garage. So it's fabulous that it was his den, but understandably, she didn't give him sort of a heads up. It, you know, making this sort of and turning into a massage. So. I'm not sure how she'd imagine that he wouldn't have feelings around it. Right. Um, and even when it is, it's not like that's 
because maybe it's access to the door, you know, so it, it makes sense from a, if it's a business, you know, where that den is, then it's for her to proactively say, hey, and what other room, maybe it's a living room or another room in the house, right, that can essentially become that place for him. So when he returns and he's found this, he no longer has a den, he kind of has a right to reestablish himself. And should he stand up for that? Should he push forward that he doesn't really like that? Or should he seek first to understand? Well, I think it's, it's a both it's a both end for sure. Um, I think we always want to be asking, so, you know, tell me more. Like, help me understand and tell me more. Um, and really sort of cross that bridge and um, be able to understand from our partner's perspective how, why those choices made sense. At the same time, I also think it's really important in relationship that you stand your ground. Mm-hmm. Um, because too often I see people not standing their ground on something that really matters to them. And then in time, it's going to build resentment because they feel like they haven't been true to themselves or they've lost a part of themselves. So he can um, definitely make the point that it was not fair for her to do this and he could feel comfortable in his position that he is right to ask to find some other solution for her massage parlor. Right. Okay. That, that we could collaborate, come together and say, so let's find a solution that works for both of us. Yeah. Okay. That, that certainly makes I sense. I don't know. I'd be a little taken aback by the fact that my wife is now massaging people in my house. Yeah. Well, Forget that- about my dad. <laughs> Well, there's that issue too, right? And maybe he doesn't even want his house to be the place of massaging, which if he doesn't tell her, right. he should But again, that, that could also be part of the conversation, right? <laughs> which is, if this is something that she's really passionate about and in a sense a new career, that, you know, does she rent off a space to see right. if there's um, like a health practice that maybe she could, you know, rent some space or time. I think that so would I, be... Again, it's always thinking about what's the solution that's going to work for both of us. Yeah, I think that would be... how we both uh, need that. Definitely, definitely some uh, good advice for that. Okay, the next point here is now, which is causing some more disconnect, is that he discovers she has a collection of sex toys and she likes to masturbate, which is new for him. He doesn't didn't know that before he left. So again, I'm curious how long they, in this hypothetical situation, were together. <laughs> seven um, years. Seven years. Because, married seven years. Okay, seven years. Um, because on some level, if you don't know that your partner is masturbating or you haven't usually masturbated together... Um, it's making me wonder about how open your sexual communication um, really was in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Because I think that, you know, I have some clients who, when they're married, sort of feel like anytime I want sex, it should only be with my partner, um, as if there wouldn't be a reason to masturbate. I'm like, there's many reasons to masturbate, right? It's tension relieving, it helps you to sleep, pleasure seeking. And so um, I think it's normalized masturbation, but the fact that he doesn't even know about it seven years in, um, Again, to me, it's just indicative of poor sexual communication. Yeah. And it's possible she just started masturbating in the last seven months. and Or, or at least with toys, certainly. If, you didn't ha- if she didn't have toys prior to him departing, doesn't mean she wasn't masturbating, but now she's using toys. Well, and I think sexual toys is an interesting thing. that It's how do you introduce it into the relationship? And um, because... I think if you do it in the right way, your partner's equally going to be curious and wanting to explore and sort of play with you. Um, but I think if, especially working with men, if you do it in such a way that they feel threatened, like, well, you don't pleasure me, so, you know, I'm, this is my vibrator, my go-to, you can understand again how people yeah. have feelings around that. Yeah, yeah. because the next point here that we want to say is that, that he's not a good lover and that uh, she doesn't really know how to tell him. You know, seven years after being married, how do you tell you, your husband that he sucks in bed? I find that's, that's hard. 
listen, it is hard, but I can tell you I've um, had couples even like 10 years in a marriage where she then disclosed that she's been taking orgasms oh, the entire time mm-hmm. because she's at a point in her life where she really wants to authentically have better sex. Um, but you can also imagine how that feels a bit like a betrayal and also like the rug got pulled out from underneath this yeah. guy who he, he's been getting false information. He actually thought genuinely he was in a pleasure. Now he doesn't really know where what's true and where the truth lies. Um, that being said, the crisis is always the opportunity, right? So it is about how she brings it up, but there are many ways to say, and it's sort of reinforced, I really like it when, or, you know, I read in Cosmo, you know, that's quite exciting. Is that something we might want to try, you know, or, um, yeah, reading about, uh, you know, Kamajara and these different kind of orgasms, you know, let, let's, let, let's sort of explore G-spot. And again, there's so many things online, whether it's the court alignment technique or G-spot, um, whether you're a reader or you want videos, no matter your learning style, there's a lot of great information out there. So it's again talking about opening up that dialogue, starting the conversation, which so many people have a hard time doing. And um, again, using some tool, for example, I read it in Cosmo or I saw it on porn, just to help that conversation get out there and get initiated. Absolutely. So, Han, I was watching porn yesterday, and I saw this really cool thing I'd like to try a little bit later. As long as I'm not hanging on my... No, but we, we need, like, four other people, <laughs> and we need a Sibian. We should call give Bunny a call. Oh, we have a Sibian now. Oh, is that what you saw? I you did. saw lots of good fun things? Lots of fun things on a Sibian. We love trying lots of new things, so we definitely can talk about it. That's not an issue for us. Okay, so, so back go to ahead, our babe. couple. And, and as you're saying, is it also, I think, to distinguish there, there's a difference between I saw something and it turned me on, and sharing, exploring fantasy versus reality. Because for some people, what they enjoy in fantasy, like I have a client who really enjoys watching me um, defecating, right? But in reality, he's quite clear that would not be a turn on. Oh, right? um, interesting. So again, it's to make that distinguish if your partner brings something up, explore whether it's fantasy and something you could play with together. Um, it's like the idea of a third, which again, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to bring it into your you know, real life. Right. We, we actually fantasize about that often when we're um, having sex ourselves and we say, okay, who, who's with us right now? And then we get the fantasy going and who, and then I get hands moving in different directions to feel like there is another person with us. And that makes it a lot of fun, e- even when it's just the two of us. I got to say that a couple that's having a discussion simply on what their fantasies are is, is a, a huge step forward to many other couples who are out there who don't even talk about it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And by the way, it sounded kind of hot. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can give that as a tip. <laughs> so uh, here's another point. So now back to our couple. So after they have sex and she sometimes finishes herself off with a vibrator, but this bothers him a lot and he doesn't know how to tell her that he feels inadequate. How should he get started with that conversation? You know, again, part of this is to normalize. You know, two-thirds of women, right, don't orgasm with penetration alone. So when he's, quote-unquote, feeling inadequate, I think it's to normalize, like, you know, it's not just his wife. It's many women. And what they need is additional clitoral stimulation. So he might have feelings that, you know, she's doing it herself. And the other part of it is like, so he's not feeling inadequate. Why isn't he offering to join in, right? Either he can use the vibrator, you know, there's the coppering with the vibrators attached, there's, you know, his fingers, you know, so I think instead of sitting in a place of feeling not enough, it's like to focus on, so what are the solutions? And what are the, what are the solutions where he can be involved? And, you know, it's so important that if he is not getting her off, if she's not getting an orgasm from him, either eating her, going down, sucking her clit, fucking her, whatever, well, 
she should be able to tell him what's good for her and what makes her come and open up that dialogue and teach him so he knows what's good. And as swingers, you know, we always talk about how important it is for us to tell the other couple that we're playing with what we like because the way I go down on Carol isn't the way another husband goes down on his wife. And, you know, opening up that discussion is just is just so important. And I believe that most guys would be very open to learning about how to have better sex with their partner and not um, being uh, defensive about it. Absolutely. And I think you bring up some key points, which is we can't mind read, right? You know, I think part of, you know, having a great sexual relationship is knowing for yourself what your turn-ons are uh, so that you can communicate them to your partner. And the other piece is, you know, we don't start as experts in anything, right? So holding some space when he's trying something new that he's going to be a little awkward at it, right? I suppose they go adolescent on it. Nobody wants to feel adolescent, right? Yeah. But the reality is you have to get through that phase to get to the place of, you know, being sort of seamless and, you know, effortless. And I, and I would say that even over that time frame where she's teaching him what to do and she needs to use her vibrator to have her orgasm, I would say include him. You know, bring him over, have him suck her tit, suck his cock while you're playing. Carol does it all the time with her womanizer after we've finished playing and she wants to have two or three or four more orgasms. <laughs> but, you know, include your partner in it if you still have this need to use the toy. Absolutely. So in our last point of this fictitious couple, and then we can wrap it up, um, she realizes that they are having issues, obviously. So what she does is she wants to book a couple's therapy, and it's a retreat where they can go away and focus just on having better sex, better relationship, etc. But she doesn't even tell him until they get there. So she tells them they're going on vacation, but doesn't say it's a couple's <laughs> retreat. So, so she blindsides him and they pulls out the rug, and it goes back to the first thing I said, which is, again, that happy couple and... and you know, passionate marriage, we know, like, everybody thinks it dies after, like, the romantic phase, you know, typically one to two years in, but uh, Helen Fisher, who's done a lot of research, she actually puts couples in MRIs, and we know that you can have a passionate marriage for, love it, even 30 years in, and so I think an important point here is when she basically blindsides him, she's eroding that quality, those three qualities, which is commitment, trust, and calm, the, the trust piece is seriously getting violated in this moment. And we also look at power dynamics, right, in couples' relationships, you know, sort of one up or one down, or sometimes we refer to it blatant or blatant. And she has good intentions, but the way that she's going about it is setting them up for what I consider a lose-lose versus a win-win. Right, absolutely. Now, once they get there, just I'm going to just take one step further there is a way that they can kind of work this out. This is not a hopeless situation as long as they do the kind of things that the therapist like yourself would give them the advice. Yes, and you know what I love about having this conversation um, is I think groups and intensive experiential learning is uh, incredibly transformational, and yet often people are very uncomfortable with the idea of being in a group setting. And some workshops like Imago, Getting the Love You Want, and others, um, you know, it, it's really a psychoeducational experience. You're learning these like relationship skills and tools that we're talking about. And then you break off and do a sort of exercise, just the two of you, where maybe therapists are roaming around. But the whole point is you don't have to expose or quote unquote share your dirty laundry, right? You don't have to say anything to these strangers unless you would choose to. But I find you know, honestly, a weekend workshop is like six months of good couple therapy. Oh, cool. And I highly recommend them. And I, I know me and my colleagues often have a hard, it's a hard sell, but anybody that's ever done it, it's a game changer. 
Cool. Good. Great advice. Okay, Megan, that was a great section. We're going to have you hang on for a second as we pause for a commercial, and we'll remind everyone that we are Carol and David, and this is The Sexy Lifestyle. And today we're talking with sex and relationship expert, Dr. Megan Fleming, author of The Invisible Divorce. And when we come back, we're going to bust a few sexy fun myths all about sexual desire. This portion of The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David is sponsored by Naughty in New Orleans, July 25 to 29, 2018. Naughty in New Orleans is the largest lifestyle convention for couples in the world. With over a thousand couples, this event is not only a full takeover of one of French, the French Quarter's biggest hotels, it takes over Bourbon Street too. It sure does. So join us for a five-day, four-night hotel takeover alternative lifestyle convention. It is a gathering of open-minded couples who are all interested in exploring their sexuality while visiting one of the sexiest cities in America, New Orleans. So check out our website for all the details, the sex sexylifestyle.com travel and events page you are listening to the sexy lifestyle with carol and david got a burning question or comment about today's show send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next now back to this week's show this is the sexy lifestyle we are carol and david and today we're talking with dr megan fleming So now it's time for our sexy myth-busting game, and today it's going to be all about sexual desire. So each show, we invite our sexpert guests to bust a few sexy, fun myths to help us filter through some of that misinformation that we find out there on the internet, especially when it comes to the topic of sex and sexuality. All right. So, Megan, you're ready to go? I'm ready. Okay, here's one. No, me first. Okay, go ahead. Because this is about men. Okay, go ahead. So men think about sex every seven seconds. It, oh, that, that's a myth. Uh, the reality is there is absolutely no research to back up that claim. And even the ways that they have attempted to do research, it, predominantly they're looking at self-report. Um, and we certainly know from other research that self-report is highly unreliable in terms of how we retroactively remember frequency of events. If, if you were to ask Carol, I would, she would say, I think about sex like every second. Well, yeah, I don't know if you're thinking about it, but you certainly bring it up as often as, as, often as he opens his mouth, he's talking about sex. So. Yay, sex. Well, we talk <laughs> about sex a lot. Yeah, and I think, again, it's just to realize there's what we always refer to as bell curve distribution, and most of us are sort of in the middle. But the reality is this is very individual, and it's not even defined by gender. Yeah, right? Some people yes. just have high drive and high sexual interest, and high sense of exploration. So, you know what? There absolutely probably are people with every second or seven seconds, but that's not the, the, the norm. You know, the median. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so here's another one. According to porn, most women are bisexual and they like anal sex. Again, eh, <laughs> I mean, this one is so powerful because there was actually a study just in the New York Times where uh, this one was interviewing like 14 and 15-year-olds and they were thinking nothing about asking for threesomes or anal because watching on porn, they thought all women want to do that. And so, again, it's a huge um, opportunity to say that porn is a horrible sex educator. Um, again, great for giving you ideas and for arousal, uh, but you know sometimes they're being paid. And it's not to say that some women don't, but you don't want to get into the assumption um, by imagining that that's true of most women. I mean, we definitely know in terms of the data and prevalence of bisexuality, uh, homosexuality, um, cisgender, that, you know, 
definitely not the majority. Right. And, you know, one of the things we always bring up, because, you know, we're swingers, we love foursomes and morsoms, we're always talking about fulfilling fantasies and pushing boundaries. But those those fantasies and boundaries can very easily and should very easily be pushed in a monogamous relationship. And Carol and I, we're emotionally monogamous. We have sex. We like having sex with other people. But couples in a relationship don't need to have threesomes. They don't need to do things outside their comfort zone. They can do things to spice up their sex life that is just a little bit different than that missionary position on their bed that society says is that's the way to have sex because that's how you're going to procreate there's so many different places in the house uh, uh, costumes heels um, there's there's great lingerie for guys to wear that makes it sexy sexy evenings candles there's so much you can do within your house that you don't have to go to the extremes that you see on porn or even into alternative lifestyles I so love that you're making this point because to me you know I'm about hot monogamy and I believe that you know being in relationship, it's like being on the tightrope. You know, there's something to be said about pushing each other's boundaries. That's uh, where the excitement and the adventure is. And yet you have the safety net of the relationship, right? Right. So, you know, especially I have like red light, yellow light, green light. Like, so, you know, if it's a red or it's painful, it's a, it's a hard stop. If it's a yellow, you know, you, you kind of hang out there and see if it goes green. If it's a green, it's like no hold barred. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a myth number three. Casual sex appeals less to women than men. And I, <laughs> I need a buzzer. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's definitely not true. Um, and I think women feel more freedom now than ever. You know, I, I wish that there wasn't, in a sense, what shaming. It certainly still exists. But I think overall, uh, our culture and society is more comfortable having sex conversations and recognizing uh, and giving women, you know, sort of the permission, explicitly, not that they need it, but it's a lot easier to, in a sense, be out and embracing your sexuality when you don't feel like you're going to be shamed. And with Tinder and those hookup apps, I think there's women on here definitely want to hook up. They, they're they not going against casual sex. I think it's definitely more common today than ever before. Well, it's okay to say yes to sex. Yeah, of course. Well, and the only caveat I would say here is because, listen, I absolutely work with and know women who love casual sex, but I also know women who think that if they have sex, they're more likely that the guy is going to call them or they're going to get into a relationship. So I always say, if you're saying yes, you're saying yes knowing that you're never going to see this person again, Uh, and you feel great about that. Yeah, okay, got it. So that's what the casual appeal is. Right. The casual is like there's no strings, Mm -hmm. right, and that you're not expecting anything. But it's like the excitement of swinging, right? Yeah. You go to a party, you meet a couple, you you know it's just about the sex, but he's hot and she's hot, and you know maybe you're on a bed and there's four or five other couples. Sometimes we don't know the names, but it's just that that adrenaline rush of going out, doing it, and then just moving on. And it's I guess the newness when, of it. I, yeah, but I guess when you're single, that we're taught that if I meet someone, is he going to fall in love with me? Are we going to get married? Are we going to have a family or relationship? And society, I guess, hasn't gotten to the point where it's just okay to have a booty call. Yeah, absolutely. It's actually interesting because I was out last week and went to see some music and there was this demonstration case. There was a documentation that Frank Sinatra was arrested in Hoboken in like the 19, I should know the year, you know, 34, whatever it was, but that it was because basically he had sex without intention to marry. Like he got arrested for it. Oh so, boy. 
we've come a long way. Yeah. I, have to, I took pictures of that. I'm going to send it to you so maybe you can sort of attach it to this podcast because I was blown away by that. There was a time when you had to have sex only to procreate. Absolutely. Yeah. Or in marriage, for sure. Yeah. Well, and anal sex uh, was illegal, right? I wouldn't be surprised that it is still, um, just like vibrators are still illegal in some states. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Texas. Texas. Yeah. You can't have more. Uh, anyways, the, 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 the laws are, some of them are yeah. so archaic. Okay, here's one. Uh, men and women get aroused in the same way. <laughs> I want to do my buzzer. Okay. There you go. Go for your buzzer. <laughs> and, um, and, and I love this question because I don't know if the average or, or the, that we typically understand that, you know, I think when we think about arousal and desire, desire in particular, we're thinking about spontaneous desire, that you're feeling, you're wanting, like you want to rip your clothes off. Like there's, it's what we call libido, right? That sense of desire. And that, you know, that's often true for men, but for many women, it's what we call responsive desire. I mean, sex isn't even on the radar. I sort of refer to it as like they're a cold engine. The truth though is if they're open and receptive and they're willing, and this all comes from the work of Rosemary Dasan, the reality is that it's like you stroke your hair or you're just caressing the back. It's like, oh, that feels good. That feels nice. And the body gets aroused. And through the body's arousal comes the desire. And I think the important thing here is the sexual response isn't linear. We often think it's desire leads to arousal leads to orgasm. And I think men need to particularly know, especially as they get older or might be on medications or other factors that may decrease the more spontaneous desire, that there's more than one pathway there, right? That if they're in receptive also to the partner's touch, that's another pathway, right, for them to get aroused and turned on. And I love the visual of, uh, let's just say a woman is doing the dishes, and just not stereotypically, but let's just say she is, and her husband's just watching him, and then he comes up from behind and starts rubbing her uh, with his cock, whatever. And he's like expecting her to get turned on, where she's busy doing the dishes. When she swats him away, he's like, hurt, like, what? What did I do wrong? It doesn't work that way, exactly. right? I wonder who would have done that. <laughs> <laughs> when would that ever happen? Swat, swat. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love but that I think visual. It's, important, right? it's all about timing, yes, right? Yes. And it's to appreciate, you know, when somebody's sometimes in the middle or engrossed in something, and it could be dishes or it could be a work project and a deadline, you know, it may not always be a great time. And you're bringing up a great point. And to not take that personally, because mm-hmm. I think we're hardwired to feel rejection and abandonment. And so, you know, it, it's even when it's not a good time, you're likely to have feelings around it, right? Yeah. So... I think it's on the owners of the party to say, hey, honey, not a good time. So appreciate the intention. And how about and suggest another time or be the one to sort of initiate the next time. So, so let me be clear. You can do whatever you want to me at any time. Yeah. I will give you full and 100% attention okay. and put my stuff on the side, even okay. if I'm washing the dishes. <laughs> okay, no problem. Or the floor or fixing the car or anything. Point taken, you will stop doing it at any point. I will give you my undivided attention. Okay, perfect. That's good to know. It's always good to know. He says that now, but I'm willing to bet I could come up with a condition where, you know, I've, I've seen this happen before. Oh, my goodness. That's fun. As long as we're communicating, that's what it is. So sometimes when David wants to have sex or he comes up from behind, I say, well, not right now, but you can just rub my shoulders, please, because that would be great. And I really would appreciate that. And then he kind of feels like not so rejected because I do give him a task and it's all good, too. And not only that, this is a perfect example. You were thinking, no, not a great time, could you rub my shoulders? And in rubbing your shoulders, you might actually be like, oh, oh, you know, 
now I am in the mood. Like, that's the point. The open receptive is, I don't know, and you don't know how it's going to go, right? But it's worth trying because it's not uncommon that, you know, the focus isn't about having sex, but it feels good and you get into the mood, right? Absolutely. But there's not an expectation that that's going to happen because it might not. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. Great way, great segue to end our uh, sexy myth-busting game. Megan, you are amazing. Thank you so much for your myth-busting skills. Hang on, we're going to get into our uh, Great Sex Matters section in a second. But first, we'll remind everybody that we are talking with Dr. Megan Fleming today. We are Carol and David from The Sexy Lifestyle. And Megan has given us lots of advice about sex and sexual desire and relationship. And coming up next, uh, like I said, is our favorite segment, which is Great Sex Matters. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a short break from one of our new sponsors, adamandeve.com. Have you ever wanted something so bad that you do just about anything for it? Well, that's exactly how we feel about you. That's right. AdamandEve.com wants you so bad. We're giving you 10 free gifts with your first order. You heard me right. That's 10 free gifts to spice up your love life. First, you'll get a sexy surprise for her. Second, an adventurous toy for him. And third, a little something we know you'll both enjoy. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD. And number 10, free shipping on your entire order. That's 10 free gifts for you shy types who've never tried Adam and Eve before. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything you desire. Just enter offer code GREATSEX at checkout, and you'll get all 10 free gifts, including free shipping. That's offer code GREATSEX. That's G-R-E-A-T-S-E-X at adamandeve.com. are listening to The Sexy Lifestyle with Carol and David. Got a burning question or comment about today's show? Send an email to ask at carolanddavid.com and we just might be answering your question next. Now back to this week's show. This is The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David and today we're talking with Dr. Megan Fleming, sex and relationship expert. And now it's time for our favorite part of the show where we get to talk about great sex because... Well, great sex matters and we deserve it. So, Megan, you talk a lot about getting the most out of your sex life and you advise couples to consider all the possibilities and examine how you feel and how you can get and receive, give and receive all your sexual pleasure. So I wanted to start off this segment about great sex with maybe a review of how to give yourself a sexual makeover. Well, I think a sexual makeover is this idea of like, oh, you're sexy, right? I think, you know, it probably if you're a woman, it starts off with going out and buy some nice uh, lingerie and underwear. And like, it starts with, it's, it's an inside job, right? Really doing things that make you feel sort of good and sexy and sensual and feminine and really prioritizing that. And it might start with, again, the manicures and pedicures. It might start with the high heels. Um, but realizing that, you know, the sky's the limit. And I think the expression I say is we often have a foreclosure of imagination, right? So with your imagination, anything is possible. Now, what about the guy? He should be doing the same, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I think, again, for for men, um, sexiness and sexual makeover is a lot about how do you have confidence, right? Because confidence is the sexiest thing. Right. And so I think for men, especially like say um, they've got a lot of, 
stressed at work or maybe they've been laid off, right? Or uh, they're struggling with sort of, you know, chronic pain issue. And there are many things that are making them not feel masculine or confident. So, you know, it starts with just your physiology, right? Shoulders back, standing up straight, you know, it's sort of like the super pose, whether it's Superman or Wonder Woman, they, they've yeah. actually done research that it change, when you change your physiology, oh. right, it, it changes sort of from um, a neuroendocrine perspective. It really shifts our mood and enhances well-being. So I think it starts with stepping into how is it you want it to look and feel. You can practice with mental rehearsal. Uh, and again, even for a guy, like, my husband actually just bought some really amazing underwear that, yeah. you know, it's like, it's not just women that have an opportunity to uh, try things on that are sexy. There's a lot of great things out there for men as well. So are you saying that when a man stands in front of the mirror with a, I don't know, let's just say a nice sexy undershirt and he flexes his muscles and shows his biceps and stuff by, and looks in the mirror and, and impresses himself, that gives him that little bit of confidence that he might need just to do the next thing? Yeah, I think that and, again, I, what I call that mental rehearsal, it's like, and then see himself visualizing, approaching his partner with confidence, um, and I call it rolling the camera forward and how that's going to go. Because we know, again, this is like even with Olympians now, they do much more time training on the mental rehearsal, the vision piece, even over the actual physical exercise. It, it, you know, I think it's really important that we, again, the mind is the biggest sex organ, right? Mm-hmm. So anything that puts your mind and your mindset into an erotic and sexy space is a huge part of that sexual makeover. And as I'm saying that, because again, low libido in men, I think is, you know, in the work that I do is not uncommon, especially because it's New York city. And I think men are again, conditions for sex, exhausted, overworked, stressed out, nothing sexy about those things and, you know, not enough sleep. Um, but the reality is it also starts with that inner sexy pilot light as I refer to it, which is, you know, thinking about the last great sex experience with your partner or reading fantasy or erotica, like we all have a responsibility to um, own our own sexy and our sexual feeling and not sort of have an expectation that that's going to be coming from our partner. Yeah, and sometimes just buying those candles and placing them like strategically in the the room or putting a little cover over a light that might be too strong so you could set the mood. Just by doing those things, you're feeling already the set, you're setting up the sexiness. So you're setting yourself up to not to fail. You're setting yourself up to succeed with that sexual encounter. Absolutely. And you're also bringing up a good point. Environment matters, right? So again, it's the music. It could be the aromatherapy. You know, I'm a big fan of, you know, Jimmy Jane's massage oil candle. You light the candle and it becomes massage oil Mm -hmm. as a little spout. And the thing is, you don't even have to just use that with a partner. You could be touching your own body, Mm -hmm. you know, and using your own fingertips and just, again, inviting uh, the sensation and the, the desire for what's to come, sort of building that anticipation. Now, the the, the reason I meant uh, that I mentioned it earlier is that's kind of what like David likes to do. He just goes out and buys the candles, and he knows what scents I like, and so he's the one who strategically puts them in the room, which I think is kind of fun. So it, it doesn't have to be just the lady who's doing this sexual makeover. It would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> He, he has his roles over hint, here. Hint. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And Megan, let's just get back to fantasies for a second because we talk about them. We we read about all these celebrities and what they do. We look watch porn, and so much of it is done um, individually. The the husband, the wife, on their own. And you know, I know so many guys I play baseball with. They have 
things that they'd like to talk to their wives about but it's like if i bring it up to my wife she's she's gonna think i'm crazy but then carol talks to the girls and like i have these fantasies but if i bring up my husband is crazy he's gonna think i'm crazy what's a little bit of advice you can give to people to open up that dialogue and it's a hard dialogue about fantasies beyond that sex in a missionary position sure i mean I, it's, again, it's the vulnerability of sort of saying this is a thing that turns me on and it sort of feels exposed and, and what is it going to mean if my partner isn't turned on by that or might be horrified that I'm turned on by that, like worst case scenario, right? So I think you, a safe way to start the conversation is to say something like, you know, I was listening to the sexy lifestyle <laughs> of Carol and David or I read in Men's Fitness or Maxim or Cosmo this article and they shared and talked about these fantasies Right, so you're using something external to you, being like, it didn't necessarily generate first with me, but I read it, and it was kind of a turn-on. Is that something that, you know, does that also turn you on, right? It's sort of a safe way to sort of explore and get a sense of what the reaction is. Now, it certainly is, and you can inch your way into that conversation and, and feel it out before you say it. But how often do you think it's important to talk about fantasies? Is this like a once-a-week thing we should be sharing, or is it just a special occasion? You know, I really think it's it's very personal. Um, for some couples, it's incredibly important, and for other couples, really not almost non-existent. I mean, I'm 18 years married just last week, and there's, like there's definitely things we do and explore, but like it's it's not about fantasy and it's not about role play. So I think part of it is that you can really have an amazing, hot, frequent, enjoyable sex life that doesn't incorporate it, and yet for others, it's a big aspect of the turn-on. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about figuring out what works for you and your relationship. For sure. And, you know, I think um, we were talking before about prioritizing time. Um, if you're really talking about a sexual makeover, uh, Megan, some, some quick points on how you can make time for balancing family, work, relationships, sex. And I have to, I have to believe people can find more than 35 minutes a week to get into to you know, talk to each other talk to each other and and have those healthy good discussions and and also have healthy good sex absolutely i mean i think it first starts with like we all have only 24 hours in a day right so you really have to prioritize and it's like thinking of it as like pieces of a pie and in any given day what are the things that have to be done and what are the things that you could delegate or someone else like the sense of part of being in the community someone else can maybe pick up your kid from school or from a sport you know, if your relationship is a priority, you plan that time. I thought, like, you know, there's all this ideas about sex should be spontaneous, right? We're not supposed to schedule it. And I'm like, with busy families and lives, if you don't schedule it, it ain't going to happen. Yes. So mm-hmm. I sort of say plan, prioritize and plan the sexy time, whether it's a standing date in the sense night or if, like, we check our schedules on Sunday. Hey, what's your week looking like and when when will we plan it? But the point is... You make the time because if you don't, you won't have it. But in that time, you get to be spontaneous. Because the reality is, I don't know, and you don't know how you're going to feel until you're in that moment. But when you're in that moment, you can then choose, okay, so what are the things that we really enjoy doing or connecting or fun or playful, where those more sort of spontaneous and responsive desire is going to be emerging? And how do we get rid of this um, new addiction that seems to be infecting everybody, which is, 
smartphones, social media, binge watching TV, where that seems to take a priority over relationships because that's what everybody's doing. How do you turn off the social media? Like, it's easy to say turn off your phone, but if in your head it's like, okay, if my phone is off, am I going to miss something? How do we get beyond that? FOMO. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Um, I think that, you know, it starts with nothing's that important. And if it was, and if it was an emergency, right, there's always a way that someone can reach you. But barring that, you know, it really is about taking unplugged time. Our brains need it, to be honest with you. And so I, I think part of it is addressing any conflict within oneself if you feel like, quote unquote, you're missing out. And to, but part of what you're missing out on is the present moment, right? <laughs> Being truly present, even to notice what's coming up with inside of you as well as with your partner. So I really think couples should absolutely have whether, you know, it's one evening or a few hours at different points during the week, but that is unplugged time. Because we really are conditioning our, our brains. I mean, the reality is our attention span is shorter now than it's ever been. And, right. it, and it's, it's getting shorter and shorter, right? So, you know, if you really care and trying to optimize or think about high performance, this is part of taking care of yourself is, you know, creating these quiet times just so that it helps you to be more present. And especially, mindfulness piece. and especially after you gave us that stat with uh, how, how little time people are actually spending together talking that when you make your date night, you should definitely make the rule that you don't talk about the kids or work or whatever and just talk about your fun or, or plan a vacation or fantasies. Yeah, or yourself. And so if you make that rule, no phones, no tech, um, plan the time together, but also don't talk about the kids and work and bring that in there. I think that could definitely add some spice to your life. Absolutely. And the only part of that there is like, because, you know, I see a lot of couples come in and they're having date night. And this goes back to that question of like, it looks good on the outside, yeah, but on the inside it's not. You know, I think a lot of people are like, well, I, I did date night. And, you know, it's the couple you see in the restaurant that are sitting across from each other having zero consultation. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so be very clear when you say date night that you're not checking the box. Yeah. Um, and that it really is about connecting. And, you know, so it's sharing fantasy or choosing your next adventure or your next vacation. Like, uh, you know, we both read a book and you want to talk about whatever it is, it's that idea of. Uh, or music or whatever your passions are that you're sort of sharing from that place um, and that you're really, you know, you're putting some time and energy into making an experience for you both. Yeah, absolutely. Now we're getting to the end of our show and we do like to finish off with some takeaway advice. So how about if you give us uh, maybe the top two things that couples could do to keep their desire and their love life happy, healthy, and of course always horny. One of the things I would say is keep any of your hot topics or sort of those unsolvable problems, keep those on the back burner, right? Don't allow sort of life frustrations because we all have the negativity bias uh, from getting our way. In fact, Ken Gottman, we talk about the five to one rule. For every negative thing you notice, what are five positive things that are also true about your partner? Um, and I think the other thing, again, is as I said, it's the prioritization and the scheduling. Uh, so it's about mindset. It's about if there's frustrations, they're on the back burner. Uh, you focus on what's drawing you to your partner, and and you and you really prioritize and make make the time. Very right. very good advice. Well, Megan, um, that was an amazing show. We always love having you on with your advice, your stories. Um, why don't you take a couple of minutes and tell everybody how they can reach out to you, your website and social media? Sure. Um, best way to reach out to me is uh, at my website, greatlifegreatsex.com. And if you sign on, uh, there's a, I will give you sort of the seven amazingly helpful tips to get your relationship back on track. 
And you can also, on Twitter, it's Megan Fleming, PhD. Beautiful. Which isn't the sexy title, but, you know. <laughs> it I, works. I, <laughs> that's okay. I started that way, and now I, You're I'm stuck like, with now it. I can't really change it. So I'm kind of stuck. So. And where can people anyway, buy your... So greatlifegreatsex.com is really the best place to connect with me into the contact page. Perfect. And people can buy your book there? And um, they can buy my book also on Amazon. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now, we're learning more and more every week with all our fantastic guests, and we hope you do too. And uh, remember, great sex matters. And you deserve it. And we encourage every couple to make a point of learning more about sex and sexuality and all the different ways to spice up your sex life. So to find out more, you can go to our website, thesexylifestyle.com radio show guest page, and see all our amazing sexpert guests. You can click on their link and contact them if you need more advice. Well, that's it for our show today. Dr. Megan Fleming, thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And to all our listeners out there, thank you once again for listening and making our show as successful as it has been. Remember to sign up on sdc.com for one month free using promo code 30314. And we have some great, amazing trips coming up. Yeah, we're going to be sailing on the Crystal Symphony cruise ship up to Alaska with luxury lifestyle vacations for the Alaska Splendor Lifestyle Cruise, June 17th to 24th. That's coming up real soon. And in July, we're going to be in Barcelona visiting Club Oops, and then joining SDC at Cap d'Agde, the Naked City in France from July 2 till 10. We can't wait for that amazing lifestyle experience. And of course, as reigning queen and king of Naughty in New Orleans, we're going to be getting naughty on Bourbon Street in, in New Orleans, July 25th to 29th. And let's not forget, we're going to be on the STC Cuban Cruise in December 2018. And for more information about these trips or anything else, you can visit our website, thesexylifestyle.com, or send us an email at ask at carolandavid.com. Join us again next time for another hour of The Sexy Lifestyle. We are Carol and David, reminding you to spice up your sex life and live happy, healthy, and always horny. Stay sexy, everyone. Until next time. you for joining carol and david for this week's edition of the sexy lifestyle we've got another one lined up next thursday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel this weekend is just around the corner so try something new spice it up and you just might have the best sex ever 